I tried as much as I could to design the career that I really wanted. It is very difficult when you are, you know, very young and starting a career, you don't know, you might have obviously gone to college. By the same token, you don't really necessarily know what you want. I, I was fortunate to uh, have had mentors at the very beginning of my career uh, through professors, etc., and decide, you know, what do you really want to do? What is the type of organization that you want to be part of? Hello and welcome to the Making Better podcast, where we talk about how to make ourselves, our teams, and our organizations better. Whether you are a business leader, a talent development professional, or an individual contributor, this show will give you actionable insights to help you improve your own performance and the performance of those around you. Our guest today is Anna Smith. Anna has had quite the career working in some of the most well-known technology organizations on the planet, such as Microsoft, GE, and Hewlett-Packard. Throughout her career, she has developed a deep expertise in the people business and helping organizations with the human side of digital transformations and organizational change. Anna is a two-time TEDx speaker who helps people inspire themselves to bring their best and whole selves each and every day. I am really excited for the discussion. But before we get into it, I do need to remind you that if this is your first time listening to the show, make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a future episode. And if you are already subscribed, then I would ask that you share this show with at least one other person, because that, after all, is how we grow. I can't tell you how much it means to me. And so with that, let's dive into the discussion. Anna, how are you doing today? Hi, Matt. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Very, that, very that's, happy to be here. That, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm really excited to have you here. I was really excited kind of researching your career, learning more about you, um, getting ready for this podcast, because I got to say, one of the things that stood out to me, and I kind of mentioned this in, in the intro, is you and I have kind of had opposite careers, I feel like when it comes to talent development, because, you know, so I, I started off in the, in the military, but then when I got into corporate learning development, you know, I, I started at SpaceX, which was a very scrappy company, you know, learning development was, was there were three of us when I, when I took over the team, I then went to an even smaller startup with like, you know, start off with, uh, you know, less than a thousand people when I, when I started working there. And I remember people saying, you know, you really need after after all this stuff you really need to go to the opposite extreme like you need to go to i think they might have even said like ge or something you know so a bigger really established company and that's that's been your career so i would love to start by kind of asking what's what's that like what is talent development like in some of these larger more established organizations and how do you think that's kind of shaped your view of talent development you know matt this is probably um you know, one of the uh, most important questions, I think, uh, in my career, because I tried as much as I could to design the career that I really wanted. Awesome. It is very difficult when you are, you know, very young and starting a career, you don't know, you might have obviously gone to college. By the same token, you don't really necessarily know what you want. You don't necessarily understand what the implications are of the decisions that you're going to make 
and mm -hmm. how one organization may shift your career or may take you places or not. Uh, I believe, and having been in the talent space for so long, I've seen careers where people have really literally stumbled and by, you know, um, falling down and, you know, picking themselves up, that's how yep. they got to that sea level. They are. Yeah. And others have absolutely by design from the get-go, uh, almost like an ikigai approach to mm. their career, which I, I was fortunate to uh, have had mentors at the very beginning of my career uh, through professors, etc., and decide, you know, what do you really want to do? What is the type of organization that you want to be part of? And um, this is obviously uh, where you say, well, you don't know what you're doing, but you're launching yourself out there. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, my career started in, in American Express in Mexico. So that is where, uh, you know, pretty large organization with a very customer centric, um, you know, perspective and framework and philosophy across the board. And that extended not only to the outside, but to the inside. So treating mm. customers and literally, Matt, that was instilled in my DNA. I would say that, I love that, that. Was very, very, very clear in my, but it was not just something that is written in marketing uh, docs or presentations, etc. It's really, I mean, yeah. the walking the talk of customers centricity. So that took a very interesting um, approach to me. And then, of course, years later, as you were describing, um, I continued my career always trying to identify with organizations that I knew had something particularly valuable in their mission, in their vision, in their yeah. values, all around how do they treat their employees, how do mm. they treat their customers, what are they really all about? And I really want to be part of that. Or maybe they are about to start to shift mm -hmm. that. And I would love to be part of that. So that is how I landed in these in these fields, if you may. Yeah, that that's really interesting that you so you were looking for that strategically in organizations. Um for so for people, because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who you know, they're, they, they, a lot of people fall into L and D, like you were saying, you know, they, they just kind of land there. I, I, that's kind of what happened to me. Um, and a lot of organizations do not have that, you know, employee as customer mindset, the, the way, the way you view, the way you said it. Yep. And so for somebody who's in a role that's, that they're in a company that doesn't have that, and they feel that that's something that's missing, I would be interested. How, how do you identify that? You know, if you were if you were seeking out companies where you saw that in them, what were you looking for? I would look at their leadership. Uh, okay. Definitely, um, really understanding their mission, their vision, their values. But really, do your homework in terms of who the company is all about. Why mm. do they do what they do? Right, like the the what, the why, the how, and of course the why. It is very, very critical to understand that there, there may be changes as you get in. There may be changes in, you know, senior leadership, etc. Um, once you're in, but for the most part, Matt, if you do your homework, 
you are you read about those organizations, you have to really make a list of I really want to work for yeah. in, in any of these seven organizations or what have you, and really do your list. What are you really looking for? An organization that li- that lives by their values, it's and customer centricity in this case, as we're discussing, is one of them. They are most probably going to be focused on employees as customers. So they mm-hmm. will want to delight them. They will want to create experiences for them. They will look at how managers are developed, uh, leaders, of course, uh, etc. So it is very, very important to do your homework in mm-hmm. order to do that. Another very interesting bit, Matt, and uh, I would love your thoughts as well on this is, um, you know, one of the things is when you are uh, looking for a new organization uh, to be your next home, if you may, your professional home is the um, talent acquisition process. Yes. Was it easy? Was it direct? Yes. Was it straightforward? Was it human? Was it painful? Was it like, it, it almost feels like you're going into the uh, Navy SEALs, which I understand is one of the most complicated uh, entities <laughs> in the world to get in for a lot of reasons. Um, or do they make it really a human experience where mm-hmm. I really want to get to know you, Matt, whether you end up with us or not, but I really want to get to know you because you may not be the best fit for this role, but you are a fit for the organization because you have all these other areas. But I don't know. What, what do you think, Matt? No, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I think the the recruiting, the hiring process is, is a huge tell on how much the organization not just cares about their people and how they're going to treat their people, but kind of how much they have it together as well. Just like, do they have it together as, as an organization? You know, and I'll never forget one of the, one of the, last companies that I worked for, um, they, so I had interviewed with them and they were interviewing, they said they were interviewing some other people and it kind of got strung along, strung along. And I waited, you know, weeks and weeks to hear, hear a final decision. And they decide to schedule time with me on the 4th of July to tell me that I didn't get the role. (laughs) Like now, you know, I made and, and they, but they wanted me for another role, and so I actually ended up going there. I ended up going because they 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 ended up hiring me for something else. But that was a big tell on like, yeah, though I I had all kinds of reason, you know, in my mind, I rationalized it and be like, oh, it's gonna be fine. It's you know, I was talking to somebody who wasn't from the states, and so they didn't realize how big of a deal it was, and yada yada. But it it definitely was a tell to me that like they would want to schedule that time. Um, yeah, it said a lot. It, it 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 revealed a lot about what the company ended up being like when I was when I worked there. Um, so I I couldn't agree with you more. Yes, I absolutely hear you, and uh, certainly a conversation for another day. But you know, we make decisions with our emotions, mm-hmm. and then we justify them with logic when yes. that is the case. Yes. When we when we have these opportunities, um, you know, especially for this type of this type of deals, but. That is very, very, very telling uh, in terms of, organizationally speaking, um, how they behave. And I can tell you, uh, you know, of uh, very, very, you know, wonderful uh, experiences to the point of uh, arriving to the 
to my first day and uh, you know this is a new town for you we don't know what your circumstances and they set it all up but let us send a car for you so mm. i mean how much could that be price yeah. wise charge wise etc but it was yeah. like okay somebody took the time to orchestrate wow. that to send it to me to take me over there was somebody waiting for me you know as soon as i arrived yeah at the, at the lobby uh you know oh anna welcome oh my like i was like oh i don't know what they made me feel special even before but matt if you look at those details yeah how costly can that be I mean, how much stress is involved on the first day at a new job simply because like you don't know where the office is. You don't you've never driven there before. And let's say, you know, even even if a comp even let's go extreme, let's let's talk about a big comp a re reasonably large company that's hiring a thousand people a year. Yeah. So what does that cost them? Fifty thousand dollars a year if they did that for every single person yes. and it would completely transform their day one experience, exactly. you know? Exactly, wow. exactly. Yeah. And as we know, in the first 90 days, you decide if you're going to stay yep. or not in that company in the, yeah. in the long run. Yeah. So these are some of the details that for folks that have this in their uh, in their hands, uh, we sometimes look at uh, like major investments or, you know, earth, earth shattering things. And we keep forgetting that we're human and that we are, we have feelings, we have needs and Please help me on one. <laughs> Especially in, you know, to, you know, kind of our world of the talent development space. It's so easy to, you know, look for those, those giant initiatives. You're going to spend six months building this whole new program when they, they just need a user guide. They just, they just need a helping hand. They just need a conversation, right? Like that's all they need. They just need a conversation. Sometimes it's those, it's those small things that can have, and even you know, the the most impact for sure. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm excited that the con I was not expecting the conversation to go that way. That was great. <laughs> um, I think that was some some really great advice. I love how how deliberate you were. I, I mean, I just talked to a good friend of mine, Andy Storch, who who talks a lot about mm -hmm. career advice. Um, and that that designing your life is so important. I'll never forget. There's a there's a TED talk from years ago by Nigel Marsh. Um, it's over a decade old now, but it changed my life with this simple statement at the end of it, where it just says, if you don't design your life, someone will design it for you. Right? Like talk about a mic drop statement. Like that's just, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Um, yes. yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's super exciting, but talking, you know, so we were, you know, kind of ended that discussion with some of the, the smaller changes that we can make, but you talk, you know, a lot of your career has been about organizational change and especially organizational change around technology. And so, you know, certainly if you go back, I'm, I'm sure, you know, 50 to a hundred years when, you know, electricity was coming online and that kind of stuff, like those are some major changes, but I, I for one, can't don't think there's any doubt that right now artificial intelligence is like just creating massive waves in all kinds of different ways what you know whatever however much hype you buy into or what you or what its limitations are it's changing a lot of things we're here we're sitting here almost a year or it's been just over a year since chat gpt first kind of came on the scene and just all of this kind of change has exploded um for you who for someone like you who works with a lot of different organizations 
over the last year, especially, what have you been seeing as a result of, and maybe it's not just AI, but just, you know, technology in general, what are the major things that you're seeing organizations have to deal with um, regarding change driven by technology right now? I think that uh, I would probably put it in two areas um, just to grab probably the, the largest that I've seen. One, a huge need to upskill and reskill managers and leaders mm-hmm. from wherever they were. So we haven't given any given them any training in five years, but can you please help us? Sure. So, the, or you know, we haven't uh, done anything deliberate. Uh, we are um, experiencing a lot of issues with um, our managers, and that is reflected in our employees, in employee engagement. I mean, it becomes a domino effect. Yeah. Yep. So a big area is, and, and I'm thankful for those leaders that identify that they need to invest yep. uh, in their uh, anybody that manages people and leads people, mm-hmm. it's it's a must in any single change. Whether you're going to do a change in your, um, you know, any system, whether it's an LMS, as basic as that, but also something as, you know, you're going to change your business, the business model in your company. I mean, and a huge one, right? Yeah. Before you go on to the other two, because I, I would love to stick on that one, just because you've, you've, been at this in so many different organizations do you see that as a new thing or is that a constant like is there a particular need right now to upskill managers that's being caused by something or is this just kind of an ever-present need i mean obviously it's an ever-present need but is it is it more of a need right now this is the um the big money question um what i mean by that is Organizations that have been training and developing and putting attention, you know, to developing the mindset and the skill set, uh, and I'd like to say the heart set as well of their managers and their leaders are ahead of the curve right now. Why? Because you can send them whatever AI or anything else, and we we've only seen the 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 surface of what's gonna mm. what's gonna come next um but if you're not prepared through the people that guide and take care and look after um the employees in an organization it is very difficult that you can do any any significant change successfully it, it may be very obvious matt but uh, for whatever circumstance, organizations uh, that have not prioritized this, uh, you know, are, are suffering uh, extensively with turnover, mm-hmm. with employee engagement, with a lot, a lot of things, um, right? And, you know, every single day, uh, you know, we read, uh, we're in contact with what's going on in a lot of organizations, organizations, even technology organizations that are going bankrupt in uh, it's it's not just um, organizing and, and putting an, a, a company out there that might be very successful at a certain point in time, worth billions, but how do you sustain that? It's not yeah. just today, it's what are you going to do in five and 10 and 15 years? But that's, that's the yeah. deal. So okay. that is where Got your it. leaders come into play and your managers. Yep. 
yeah. to different fronts, to different things um, that they're doing. But there is a language map. There is a uh, a set of values that accompanies that. There's a set of behaviors that accompanies that. It's not just a let's send them on a one month or a one week or a one day deal, right? It's, yeah. it's a creating a coaching culture or what have you, whatever whatever yeah. the approach might be. So that is one big bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Um, the other area is thinking about technology as leaders. You have to, you know, anybody that is in a leadership role. Uh, or a management role, and if you push me a little, I would say anybody across the board should be very Absolutely. well informed yeah. of what the implications are and have a point of view. I always, mm. the leaders that I coach, okay, when they come and they complain in a coaching session or whatever, uh, or sounds like a complaint, so what is your point of view on that? Mm. Well, I really one yet well let's let's try and build one build one for yourself let's discuss it and there's different ways to um look at this uh matt but for me i always look at technology uh, revolutions if you may changes of this magnitude what are the implications for humans what are the implications? Yeah. Because who works for who? Technology works for you or you work for technology. Yeah. So if you're not attentive, it, it is such a wave that it is very, very difficult to um, not be caught in that. And the, the most important thing I believe is um, that I at least always try um, the, the folks that I have the privilege to, you know, co-create with and coach, et cetera, is no, don't only think about it from a business standpoint, think about it from an ethical standpoint, from a people standpoint, et cetera, but think about the ethics of this. Mm -hmm. What are the implications? Uh, you know, businesses are out there to make money, sure, mm -hmm. but there's ways and ways to make money. So, what are the ethical implications? So, to to give you an idea of of what I'm what I'm what my um, comment has behind is uh, companies that uh, like Facebook, like Google, and many others they have organizational psychologists like myself working on building and creating their applications and their everything that you know will be part of their platforms mm -hmm. to ensure that there is a that it's based on human psychology and that they're they're able to influence humans and make them become addictive that's in a yeah. nutshell yeah. Um, there is a fantastic uh, session, Ted, uh, from uh, Tristan Harris mm. on the AI dilemma. Highly recommended for leaders to, um, I have the privilege of have, having uh, at some point connected with Tristan and, you know, he came from being 
somebody in charge of ethics in Google, and then yep. he has started this whole movement, as you as you know. But the interesting thing is not is not the complaint; it's the awareness. It's yeah. whatever it is that you're gonna do as a leader, as a senior leader, or whatever decision you're making, and you you have to manage a lot of levers because you have to stay in business and at the same time uh you know incorporate technology yeah. but there's ways to do that in an ethical way absolutely 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 and that's yeah. at an organizational level right um happy yeah. to about individual but that's that's in a nutshell for for leaders i think those two areas yeah okay that makes that makes sense so we got the the manager development and then just kind of I mean, yeah, it is, it's a challenge to keep up and as you say, have an opinion on all of the changes that are, that are happening right now. Um, how do you, so on, on that note, like we can stick at the high level for, for a second of yeah. how do you coach people or organizations, high level leaders kind of through that development of they start off with just a complaint or they start off with just a a thing that's happening that they're annoyed with, whether it's everybody wants to work from home or everybody's on TikTok or, yeah. or whatever it is, how do you coach them through that process of developing a point of view that isn't just, ah, I don't like it? <laughs> oh my goodness, this is this is a great one, Matt. And you know, if we take the, you know, working from home, that's that's a that's a huge one. It's another, it's I think the 2024 uh, challenge that we're going to have yeah. because uh, of everything that we know. Um, so from my perspective, I think that if you're able to organize and make people aware in your organizations of what the implications are of, uh, we're not going to be able, I mean, leaders have to make tough decisions for sure. Uh, if the organization requires people to be in the, you know, physically in the office two days a week, um, then they need to have the the opportunity to present the rationale for that and treat mm -hmm. their employees as adults mm -hmm. rather than this is the decision. Everybody's coming back and I'm sorry. Right. Um, that I mean, in my experience, from what I've seen, that is the number one place where most of the complaints come from. It's just yeah. nobody talked to us. Nobody said anything. It was just on high. And just reasoning through it, giving the reasons makes such a difference. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you asked me, you know, how, what are some of the ways? So if you bring, for example... Um, if you create uh, some focus groups, if you help, if you, uh, you know, gather some intel, if you're in a global organization, you face other challenges, of yeah, course, because yeah. you have, uh, you know, in some cases, unions, in other cases, you know, uh, circumstances that are prevailing um, uh, in Europe, et cetera, et cetera. But you have your experts, you have your yeah. HR experts uh, locally. And if you're able to gather within those different areas, uh, you know, what is really, what are really the most important aspects for people? So if you can, if you can only choose two out of 10, what would those be? Yeah. I can tell you that, the, the, you know, the research that is telling us a lot about, you know, talking about autonomy, talking about flexibility, 
but it's about do I feel I have the flexibility? It's mm. do I feel I have the flexibility or because my company is telling me that we're flexible because we, we you know, one Friday a month we work from home. Yeah. So it is very, very interesting to really identify and quantify what that is, have that opportunity. Okay, you you have a lot to say. Well, then join our focus group or whatever. Yep. This is not a whatever comes out of it. Every, this is not a wish list. Yep. It's a, a, an opportunity for us to really understand what's going on and prioritize over that and then prioritize over, you know, combine it with our business. So it is an effort, Matt. It, it is, a, it is sure. an effort. It's a new thing. And we have yeah. to deal with it as well. Yeah. But it's really understanding, like what you said near the beginning of this conversation of we make decisions with our feelings and then rationalize it with our logic, you know, and that's so true of it. It kind of, if you're not setting, if you don't understand that basic principle and you just like say things and give the facts and whatever, without addressing the emotional side of it, the human side of it, it's just, it's not going to work out well. Correct. Correct. And there's an expectation uh, nowadays, Matt, and, and I, I have to probably uh, acknowledge and caveat myself that, you know, I'm giving very general or generalized sure. perspectives. Different organizations obviously are in different moments and times, etc. But I think for the most part, these are very common pains. And the the one that I see surfacing as as part of the of the process of uh, everything that that has transpired from the pandemic and onwards is of course everything around well being right and how do I feel uh, you know what that might be and therefore yep. that puts um, on you know that puts another layer of complexity to lead on leaders. Yep. managers and senior leaders in organizations. So this is another one that, you know, will be part of that, um, you know, hybrid, in-office, remote, et cetera, yep. right? Because being yeah. remote is not all, is not, all the time is not ideal either. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to bring it back to that idea of, you know, having a point of view and how to have a point of view, it's it's about how thinking through how do you as a leader develop an informed point of view mm -hmm. that and, and there's a lot of ways to do that focus groups are a great way to do that bringing in experts is a great way to do that but that's ultimately what it is of just asking yourself this is probably generalized advice that can be applied to most places is just ask yourself that question how can i have an informed point of view on this change on this yes. subject on this thing um Yes, yes. Yeah. One of my, one of my um, uh, you know, the senior leaders that I have the privilege to coach, uh, you know, what he does in, in terms of building that muscle of having a point of view, etc., is that with his team, uh, for every one of their weekly meetings, one of them has to be what we used to call the devil's advocate or the, mm, you know, mm -hmm. he or she has to be the one so you have to prepare yourself for presenting for, because it's not only the, I'm going to read 17 articles and three books and then, no, it's really, if you think about it, it's, um, 
what I what I really like about this exercise is helping them become more influential, helping them become more resilient. How do how do you get feedback at those levels from very senior people? Because believe mm-hmm. me, if, if it comes from this, imagine the board that those are shorter and not necessarily sweeter, etc. So the the opportunity to practice in a relatively safer environment. Um, according to him, has helped um, his team a lot. And it's not always on him having to have the super, uh, you know, the latest and greatest information and everything. And it brings everybody, you know, when uh, when the tide uh, rises, everybody, you know, all boats rise. So yep, yep. That. that makes sense. And and I think this, this discussion, this advice really applies not just at the organizational level or the senior leader level, but we can apply these same kinds of things to anybody, you know, to me as an individual contributor sitting inside an organization, I would, I would assume like what would change because so your, your Ted talk, your, one of your recent Ted talks was about kind of that loss of humanity as a result of technology. And most of everything you've been saying is how do you, when you're thinking about any kind of change technology or otherwise, how do you take into account the fact that it's a change happening to people? And how do you bring that into it? Would you have any other advice for how just me as an individual person, I'm out in the world, there's all this change happening. I need to understand technology. I need to get interested in it, but I want to humanize it as well. Mm-hmm. W- would any of your advice change for, for that kind of person? I think the the big opportunity for each one of us is in addition to keeping uh, you know abreast, keeping in, ourselves informed, don't just listen to one person, listen mm. to different angles, academics, uh, people that have, you know, applied science, different and, and, inter, and exchange, get into the conversation, not mm-hmm. just, oh, well, this is what I think and, and you're not mm-hmm. going to make me change my mind. No, you know, go further down and, you know, demonstrate more of a growth mindset, not only for you teaching others or sharing with others why you believe this is important and why, you know, everything that you have gathered around that. Um, but also because when you don't change, I mean, this is the big, um, or I should say transform, right? The change is the external, the transformation comes mm. internally. Um, and what I want to to answer with to this, in, you know, from a, and from an individual perspective, independently of your level or role, is you have to know yourself. Very, very important. Know yourself. Mm. If you assess, um, I, I usually give uh, my coaches a, like a nasty test on their calendar. So tell me a little bit how it behaves. How much time do you spend in your uh your devices, uh, how much mm-hmm. time do you spend with your family? Don't tell me, go back, check your agenda, Good check luck. your calendar, and then come tell me, let's talk about it. And then most of the time they come back shocked. Like yes. what? I spend, uh, you know, 17 hours a week in meetings, just in meetings, forget about preparation, forget about, yep. And, and so on and so forth. And I spend, show, show me your calendar, show me your bank account, and I'll tell you what you care about. Exactly. <laughs> you got it. So very much like that. So uh, be very, uh, also be compassionate with yourself and, and don't 
you know, put it all on you, right? Like, yeah. But when you do these exercises of assessing and evaluating yourself, what really, what really, um, and I'll bring it back to emotions, what really triggers me? Um, and how do I behave when, when I'm triggered, if you may? So in conclusion, for any individualist, get to know yourself. If we take it to more of the digital perspective is, you know, what are those habits that are derailing me that are, um, you know, I'm not the most popular at the dinner table because I tell everybody, put out, put out, because I'm the father or the mother, everybody put their, their <laughs> I'm not the most popular because of that, but I, I keep it there. Um, you know, what are some of those, some of those things, um, specifically your, your digital habits and then, um, how do you want to start the, that transformation, your, your transformation, if you think about it, so today is the 27th. So in a year from today, where would I like to be? And then start small with small changes. That is the number one reason why Matt, and you probably know this, but it, I, I always like to bring it to this. Uh, we believe that we need to change our, our habits 180 degrees from one yes. day to the next. That's why we fail. Yes. Most people fail. Um, yes. And therefore, it's the small, it's the step, right? Yes. Uh, like uh, some of our uh, great uh, change habit thinkers. Uh, and of course, they're going to kill me now because I'm not remembering their immediate name just now. But um, that is basically their their approach. Their thesis. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I mean, so much so I always tell people that if if I ever write a book on personal development, it's going to be called Lower the Bar. Because <laughs> I think that's really the key. <laughs> when you make those first changes, it's about lowering the bar of success so that you can just have wins yes. that then propel you on. Yes, um, yes, absolutely. Awesome. The, the, the thing with that, uh, uh, with, with this great question on individuals, Matt, that, I, that I've seen works really, really well, partner with someone else, mm, like partner yeah. with someone else. And, you yeah. know, I'm going to be working on this. Uh, yes. Can you help me? Or can you, you know, can we touch base once a week or every other week or what have you? And how can I help you? And therefore you, yeah. you almost start to, you know, start your little movement in your team or area or what have you. Um, but the important thing is to start. Yes. Awesome. I think, yeah, just getting started. And on that note, so for me, when I think about making a change and starting, it often starts with a book. <laughs> That's often where I start. Um, so as, as we close out, I'd love to ask you, you know, we, we ask these three questions for, for every guest. So first, um, what is one book or podcast that everyone should read or listen to and why? Yes. I think there's so many good ones, especially yeah. with the focus that I have uh, in the past probably eight or 10 years, which are more directed towards uh, neuroscience. So going even mm -hmm. deeper uh, for human transformation. Uh, but I love Huberman, uh, mm. Huberman's podcast, uh, Neuroscientist. He really, what I what I value about it is that even though they are very complex uh, concepts and points and interconnections, 
uh, he makes them and brings them to life in a very tangible, practical way, still with the with the value of understanding and having the right terminology in neuroscience. But that that's definitely one. Awesome. That's a, that's a, that's a great one. Awesome. Um, for yourself, when you think about the skills that you have, what one skill has helped you be the most successful during your career, you think? I think resilience. Uh, okay. Resilience has been uh, the number one uh, area. And I think as part of that uh, almost ikigai approach that I mentioned at the beginning, um, one of the things that I that I learned when I had my first big, big failure from my perspective was, okay, what am I going to do next? Because I really... Uh, I really need to continue and move forward, but I don't feel like it. So what am mm. I going to do? So there's an exercise of gaining more self-awareness. What did you learn? What did yeah. you learn, Matt? That was my biggest. Okay, what were the three things? That and starting a uh, gratitude journal. So I have a gratitude journal mm. for uh, probably 12 years now. Mm-hmm. So that has also been a really... So the three things why I'm grateful for in the day. So I write them, whatever it is, an awesome yeah. sunset, you know, talking to a beautiful friend, whatever, whatever you want, but it's not, everything has to be earth shattering, but no, sometimes it's the smallest things for sure. For sure. It's remembering those, those little things. Just um, yes. Opening that poof, resilience, yeah. uh, magic. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Then, then turning to organizations and the organizations you work with, what, what is the most common opportunity you see that organizations can improve talent development? Um, if I had my brothers, leadership, okay. leadership. So the the opportunity to have um, I've had I have had an opportunity, as you mentioned before, to work in in organizations that have invested and put their money where their mouth is relative to. Uh, leadership development, for example. In this particular case, I would say GE, through thick and thin, through you know the best times and the worst times, they never ceased to invest yeah. in leadership. And what that, how that pays off is you don't only have a constant machine uh, you know, to produce and, and build the muscles for leadership, Matt, but that has also granted that GE has created the most CEOs in the world than any other company. Yep. So yep. It, it's, it's a lot of investment. It's a lot of hard work, I understand. But that is really, I think, what, what can change an organization, a team, and anybody that is part of a great leader's uh, team. Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with more, with more there. Um, well, Anna, thank you so much for coming on today. This, this has been a really great discussion. It was great to get to know you, great to learn about you beforehand, get to know you a little bit more now. I'm sure we'll keep in touch. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for being on today. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for bringing these very, very critical topics um, to the forefront for everybody. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you liked the discussion, make sure to hit like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. As a reminder, if your team is struggling keeping up with the training development demands of your organization, we want to help. 
Better Everyday Studios is a full-service instructional design team that can help you with everything from ideation to actual content creation and delivery. Please reach out to us using the link in the episode notes below. Have a great day.